Welcome back, guys. You're listening to the Watts Podcast, world of athletic therapy, training, and sports. I'm Luca, and I'm here along with Tyler and Joseph. Joseph! We back again. All right. We're back at the CJLO studios for our third episode. If you haven't checked out the last two, make sure you go on our SoundCloud, the Watts Podcast. You can also find it on Facebook and on our Instagram account. All right, Tyler, do you want to start by presenting our guest today? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So, guys, I'd like to take the time to introduce to you our next guest. We have with us here today uh, Miriam Paquette. So, Miriam, thank you very much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule. We know it's not always easy to get together and do this thing. And so we're really glad and happy to have you here with us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. (laughs) So, for those who don't know uh, Miriam Paquette, uh, she is currently working uh, with the INS. And so what we do is we have her here uh, today and we're going to... Uh, kind of get to to know uh, a lot more about her, what she does, uh, how she got to where she is, uh, and kind of the career path that she's taken. And so I guess that's where we would like to start off with uh, right now, Miriam, is to just to kind of ask if you could please summarize uh, just your career path uh, for our listeners. Sure. Uh, well, I guess I'll start with the studies I, I did. Okay. Um, so I did my undergrad in kinesiology at Laval University in Quebec City, mm-hmm. uh, and then continued to the to the master in well in kinesiology, but more specifically in sports physiology, again at Laval University. And then after my master, well, during my studies, I worked a lot on. Well, in a lot of different things. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, doing like, uh, well, I was working as a personal coach uh, for cycling, uh, cross-country skiing, so many sports, uh, triathlon. I was also working at Nautilus at the same time, giving hmm. uh, like Classic. Arabic classes and uh, like spinning classes and everything. So it started a little bit like everywhere, doing yeah. bits of work everywhere. Yeah, I've also like initially I've started... Uh, my studies in kinesiology because I wanted to do uh, sport promotion. So I was not at all in the high performance world. I wanted to do sport promotion. Is that like uh, the business uh, sports like business management? Uh, well, more like um, you know I've worked on a few uh, organisms promoting sports for girls, for example, okay. so like that kind of of things. So I've, I did that during my studies too. So when I finished my master, I knew I would I wanted to work in high performance sport, and I started uh, a program at the Cleaning uh, the kinesiology at Laval University to test high performance athletes there because we had all we needed to test them, but nobody was there to do that. So I started that program. Okay. And then the year after, there was that opening at the INS for a sports physiologist. Uh, and so I started my PhD and started working there two years ago. Okay, cool. All right. So, Miriam, you were saying that you're a sports physiologist or exercise physiologist, some would say. Um, do you. Can you please like explain to our listeners what exercise physiology or what being an exercise physiologist or sports physiologist is all about? Yeah, I guess it, it kind of changes depending on what kind of sport you're working with. Uh, and I'm working a lot with cyclic sports and the exercise physiologist role is a lot to monitor fatigue, monitor training adaptations, so physiological adaptations, doing testing. Um, it's also a lot putting together all the data we're taking on athletes. So in a normal, in a high performance team, there's like a biomechanist, a nutritionist, the SNC coach. So there's a lot of people around taking data and 
often the, the the exercise physiologist is the one taking the data and putting it all together and making a report, for example, so that we can see all the data evolving together. Okay. Um, when, when you say taking and collecting all the data, what is some of this data that we're looking at? Yeah, well, for example, every morning, some of the athletes will take a heart rate to variability measurement. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of subjective measurements too. So like rating their fatigue, rating their sleep mm -hmm. quality, quantity, uh, rating their soreness, etc. cetera. Uh, and then there's the actual testing. So for example, in swimming, well, there are some test sets they'll repeat every week or every two weeks. So we'll collect this data, uh, some race simulations, for example, or some physiological tests like a VO2 max test will repeat every month or two months, for example. Okay. So yeah, a whole lot of data we can, as a physiologist, collect, and it adds to all the the other data the other specialists are taking. Okay, with the this data that you're collecting, you also you see also the data of everyone else, and you kind of work together with uh, other, uh, I guess, specialties to kind of. Yeah. So for example, the the swim coach will say, "Well, make our swimmer swim faster." Okay. Uh, and then every every single person around the team has an idea of how to make the swimmer faster. So the SNC coach will say, well, they have to be stronger to get faster. Right. Uh, but then are they really getting faster if they're getting stronger? So the SNC coach will measure strength. And then the biomechanist will measure maybe the force in the water. Okay. And then the physiologist will measure the distance per stroke during a certain set or the speed during a certain set. And then all this information comes together to make the link between being stronger in the, in the, in the, in the gym and being faster in the water. Okay. Does this have, does like the athlete have, well, if they're, let's say they're swimming in the water, do they, do they have, what kind of monitors do they have on them while they're swimming to measure, to say this force in the water and stuff like that? Like what are the kind of some of the equipment that you guys use for that? Um, well, for the force, we have a force gay, if, Force gauge, force gauge, for you. Yeah, force gauge. gauge. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so again, your question. So for force, we have a force gauge. To, uh, so it's tethered swimming with a force gauge, sim simply. Um, sometimes it's not all of data, like heart rate, blood lactate, uh, speed, stroke rate, like all that are pretty easy to get. Uh, and sometimes it's a little more sophisticated with like VO2 max and uh, muscle oxygenation and other other type of data, but it could be pretty simple. <laughs> okay, cool. And so you were you were saying uh, you start you first uh, your first idea was to go into um, sports promotion, and um, what what made uh, you know the what clicked inside of you to go and change completely into exercise physiology? Well, not completely, still sports, but into the physiology aspect of all this. I guess my first interest to high-performance sports, well, came from the fact that I was an athlete, so I was interested in mm -hmm. high-performance sports. And then I did uh, a few internships in SNC uh, during my undergrad, and that really brought me into the high-performance world. Okay. Um, and it's really during my master that I I realized how exercise physiology was an interesting field and how the limits were like. There's just so many things you can learn and understand about sports physiology. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Miriam, uh, all this is uh, happening, I guess, at the INS, which is the Institut National du Sport. Uh, could you just uh, talk a bit about that place and what that place is? Yeah, so it's in the Olympic Stadium, and there's a few uh, sports we call residents because they are training there the whole time. So we have water polo, for example, diving, uh, judo, so... Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I think it's six or seven sports that are always training there. Uh, so national teams that are based in Montreal. And there's also some individual, individual athletes or other groups who train nearby or come at INS every day to train. So it's a place where they can get services like strength and conditioning, physiotherapy. Uh, uh, there's some doctors there. So there's really a whole, like everybody who's uh, working around high-performance athletes work there. Okay. And you guys kind of like work as a team to overlook like all the different sports or are you, uh, do, you do you have different teams of each, like uh, uh, different teams of each uh, sport, I guess. So I guess every sport has an IST, so an integrated support team uh, around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this IST team usually is uh, constituted of uh, an exercise physiologist, a nutritionist, an SNC coach, a physiotherapist, a coach. Um, and a few others, I'm probably w- missing something. Uh, so all specialists are working with the team. Uh, and the speci- so for example, I'm working more with para swimming, para cycling, triathlon, and speed skating. So we all have our sports we're working with. We're not working with every sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, every team has all these specialists around them. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, so you, you just mentioned you the, the sports you were working with. And there's a new, you told me there's a new exercise physiologist that's in. Yeah, for most of the sports, we have like our own sports, but we also have some different specialties. So Francois, the other physiologist, is specialized into sleep and recovery. So, for example, with the triathlon team, I'm doing all the testing with them. uh, And he's doing the sleep and recovery strategies for them. So we're both working on the same sport, but on different fields. Mm, okay. Same thing with short track speed skating. I think we're, we're three exercise physiologists working around okay. the team. You said this is a facility where uh, athletes like uh, like national athletes or athletes around that area come to train. Um, do you guys ever, like if they go, let's say for a competition, do you guys end up traveling if you're uh, athletes? Yeah, we're often traveling with the athletes. Uh, for example, I was away for seven weeks uh, during the fall. I was uh, with the Paris Swimming National Team preparing mm-hmm. the World Championships. So I was with them for the lead-up camp, so the staging camp before the, the World Championships and during the competition. So we're, yeah, we're traveling a lot with the teams. And it's the whole, like, uh, uh, IST, you said? It, it depends it? On, okay. on the budget and the, <laughs> the availabilities, for sure. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, there's... And there's some of the practitioners who travel more. Okay. Um, but but yeah, most of them travel with the teams. Okay. Is your is your is your work any different? Like how like is there a huge difference between when you work with them here and when you are working with them in let's say in another country or a different part of the world? Like, how is the work that you interact with your athletes? How does that change? Uh, it changes because. Well, because first you're working with only one sport when you're away, yeah. rather than working with like four or five different sports mm-hmm. and just spending a few hours a day with each of the of the sports. Um, so yeah, you're really spending like all the time with the athletes, coach, and staff. Yeah, uh, which is nice. You can really achieve things you c- cannot achieve when you're at home. Uh, but then you have to find the time, some time off, and t- time to do other things because it, <laughs> it becomes it gets, really uh, yeah. involved. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when they're so when you're traveling with them, I w- I'm assuming it's because they're competing, right? So they're at their competition. Uh, what kind of things, uh, I guess, for prepping them? And you do all this training here in Quebec, and then when it's time to go and do their sports uh, and compete, how? What are some things that 
your work uh, involves in preparing them so closer there's, to. Yeah, well, there's still the, the daily monitoring we're doing at home uh, to make sure they are not fatigued and they are in the right, right state to perform. Okay. Um, I've also been working a lot on uh, timelines and routines before, before, before race. Okay. Uh, so scheduling and so stuff like that? Yeah, and like what is going to be your warm-up and when will you end your warm-up and what will you do between the end of the warm-up and the beginning of the race. So really planning all these little steps. Is, is that something that you get to kind of work with, with the coach or is that something that uh, in your specialty and in, in, in your position, that's what you, something that you get a bigger say in, let's say? Uh, I would say it depends on the sport and the coach. Okay. Uh, in, in swimming, we've been working a lot with me and the SNC coach on these timelines and these these routines with, with like informing the coach but not including the coach in the in the decisions but in other sports it would be coach leading leaded so it really depends so i guess like uh for a typical day for you you would uh i guess you would do all that and then how about after like their competition or uh do you guys do anything special then after yeah well there's a recovery process uh so usually if there's a cold tub available well there'll be the cold tub mm -hmm. uh, making sure that they're eating the right things because even if they are high performance athletes they yeah. know what to do but they don't <laughs> but always they don't do, do what they have to do so <laughs> making sure they do what they have to do um and then we have sometimes we're traveling with some compression gears uh, and mm. or other things so we can supervise them when they're using it and yeah I mean, just making sure they're recovering properly before the next race okay yeah miriam so you were mentioning about the cold tub and the compression gear that you guys use post competition do you want to go over that quickly uh, all the benefits and you know, in terms of physiology, what what it does. Uh. Yeah, and I just I guess just why 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 those why those for your recovery, I guess. And I guess it really depends on the sport. These are the two we're using with swimming, so what that's what I brought these ones. So we're using the cold tub uh, primarily to reduce inflammation, uh, so to prevent soreness on the next day, for example. It also helps just to improve sleep if you're doing it at night, uh, improve the impression of recovery. A lot of this, I hope none of my athletes is listening, but a lot <laughs> of this is placebo effect too. Like if we're talking about, about compression, there's some benefit, benefit, but it's really like, it's yeah. really not that, that clear. It's, ex it's expensive though. Yeah. So, so if you have access to it, well, go Mark. for it. It feels good. Uh, so there's like, it's the same thing for massage. There's clear benefits for decreased stress and improvement and just well-being so like why not if you have access do it but there's no huge physiological effect of on these okay uh if i want if i wanted to go into the cold tub uh, <laughs> uh what kind of t what kind of time i don't want to stay in there for too long or too short well, how long are we usually yeah usually staying we're there? staying there for five to ten minutes okay and the water temperature should be between 10 and 15 so it's not that cold i mean okay. it's not zero to five degrees okay um so usually if you're in the hotel tub and it's summer uh you can just use the cold water and then put two or three buckets of ice and it should be good okay and for for the compression gear i've it's kind of been um it's pretty new uh, in in the world of sports i've seen it especially with like olympic lifters using it a lot um do you want to explain like how it how it works? What it, what it does when you wear that compression gear or oh, the the machines or whatever? Yeah, well, same things. It's supposed to well first help get rid of all the metabolites in the in the muscle, which we now know 
like it doesn't make a whole lot of difference if mm -hmm. you clear them fast or not. So that's not the main effect. Uh, and then we're also looking at uh, uh, reducing the, the swollenness if if after exercise you're swollen from inflammation or other things. Uh, so if we're talking about just uh, compression um, socks or pants, they have to be worn like 12 to 20 hours so that they work. So. And, and then you get a one person benefit maybe. So it's really, it's not a big, big effect. Uh, and I would say there's not a lot of studies on Normatec or other big compression yeah. uh, tools. So I would say so they might be, they might have the same effect, maybe a little faster, but it's really about well-being. Okay, but is there a difference between, because we're talking, we're talking both about like compression gear that you wear, but yeah. also I was referring also to like the, the compression boots yeah the uh, boots yeah. that they wear for t for recovery or <laughs> whatever they say and yeah i would tend to say they do the same thing the socks or the pants would do but maybe maybe a faster effect because it's a okay a bigger compression mm -hmm. but there's really not much studies on that okay cool but they feel good that's probably that's probably why they use it <laughs> yeah and so this is we we just went over uh everything that happens during competition um what about on a regular what, day? On a regular day, like what we always ask this question, what does your typical day look like at DINS when you're on site? Uh, so usually, well, it starts before arriving at INS. Uh, so I'm mm. usually monitoring the athletes, like doing the morning monitoring while eating breakfast at home. <laughs> 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 so looking at their subjective scores and looking at their heart rate variability, for example, and mm. sending a quick note before training starts on how every athlete looks like. So if there's a red flag to lift because someone looks really tired, I'll just email the coach to say, well, be careful. Maybe this athlete will be really tired. Ask, ask him how he feels be before he starts training. Uh, and then, well, there's no real normal day. Like every day is a, a bit different. Sometimes uh, I'll be on the pool deck for the practice and taking splits, taking times with the coach mm -hmm. and just recording information. Um, sometimes I'll be in the exercise lab doing VO2max or uh, collecting data for my PhD, for example. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of uh, meeting with the other uh, there is staff working with the same team. So that's mm -hmm. that's the nice thing about INS. We're all under the same roof, so we can meet with the SNC coach and the nutritionist and then go through what we're doing with the athletes and and talk about our our own, um, what we're doing like in the current time with the athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's like one of the most probably uh, um, fun things about being in a high-performance environment where you have an actual team of professionals which, which like you work and communicate with. Yeah. Um, I was going to just ask back on uh, what you do uh, in terms of monitoring. Um, strength and conditioning coaches over there also do uh, some monitoring. Uh, is there any difference between what you guys do or is it pretty much the same? Uh, well, if we're taking the example of the teams I'm working with, uh, the SNC coach will usually do some more neuromuscular okay. uh, monitoring uh, while I'll do some more uh, let's say let's call it cardiovascular or physiologic uh, monitoring so it's right okay it, it goes together. together we're okay. putting all the data together but we're, we all have our little uh, data we're taking uh is there uh something i'm curious to know is is, it, is there a uh a, a common struggle or complication that uh you uh notice uh with the, the elite athletes that you work with is there you mentioned the fatigue before is is, is that 
one of the biggest things, I guess, to, to monitor? I guess, yeah, fatigue is one of the important things. I, I would say the, um, the struggle is to find that fine line between being just the right, having just the right amount of fatigue and going too far in that fatigue. Because as a high performance athlete, you'll always be fatigued. That's, that's the, like, that's what we want you to be yeah. in order to improve. So yeah. it's, that's, it's that's, the balance. Yeah. The we balance, need balance guys. Yeah. We need balance. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was something that was mentioned. That was uh, episode two. In, in episode two, what was, uh, Finding your balance, balance in life. Balance. <laughs> Find your balance. <laughs> when so you balance between training and recovery. <laughs> cool. Uh, and you mentioned something before. Uh, we just kind of just like I guess skipped over it. But um, you said you monitor your athletes at home while eating breakfast. That's before the start of your day. Like like they're like the different variables that you're looking at. Like could you just talk a bit more because that's cool. Like I mean, if I could work at home and look at athletes while I'm like eating my cereal, like in my PJs, like that would be. Well, I, I'm still. Are you? Is it the numbers that you're looking at, or you're actually monitoring like there's, like the athletes are there, and you're just at home and you see them like training? Like I think I'm a little. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Maybe just trying to no, picture this numbers. in my head. I'm like. <laughs> so it's just to numbers. be clear, the athletes are not at home with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every morning, the athletes, uh, when they're waking up, are taking their heart rate variability measurements. Well, some of the athletes I'm working with, not Use. every athlete. Okay. So it, uh, there's a lot of applications now doing that. Uh, so you just basically uh, take your heart rate strap and uh, take heart rate measures during two, three, four, five minutes every morning. What? Okay, and so you get those numbers. So I get these numbers and then I can... Uh, what yeah. technology mm-hmm. are you using for HRV? Is it Omega uh, It depends wave on... The Parasomming team is using the HRV for training app. Okay. And they're u- using their finger with their uh, phone camera to take the measurements. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that sounds strange, but... <laughs> uh, so cool. it's pretty convenient. And then yeah. I have the data all analyzed just coming through my iPad. Awesome. Uh, the speed skating team is using uh, just an app to collect the data and I'm doing all the analysis. So it's a little longer, uh, but then I know exactly what I'm looking at because I did the analysis. So it, it depends from one sport to the okay. other. And so HRV, um, do they fill up a wellness questionnaire when they wake up, or is so that yeah, after? there's a wellness questionnaire usually before they go to bed at night. So okay. I'll, I'm looking at it on the next morning. Awesome, cool. Uh, there sounds for, to, to me. I'm there's seems like you guys have a lot of cool equipment that you guys are using, and there's equipment used for anything, uh, essentially. Uh, if you had to kind of name maybe the like the coolest equipment that you use that. <laughs> Or we see a smile on her face. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah I, I know. Got one. One. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying. I, I should, I should show you guys a picture of the testing I was doing today because the athlete was doing a, a test on the kayak ergometer. Okay. Um, yeah. And oh, we did we see a picture of that. We saw a video, oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, is that testing for VO2? So yeah, that was a VO2 max oh, test. Oh yeah, okay. that was very, very uh, And we had so the 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 VO2 mass mass the mask so to is on, yeah. yeah to get the uh, the gas exchange. Uh, we had electrodes for it's a physio flow which uh, measures with it's an an ETG for heart rate and it measures uh, cardiac output. Okay. So six electrodes on the on the chest, and then I have little uh, moxie monitors who measure that measure uh, muscle oxygenation. So they have one on the bicep, one on the lat, and one on the quad. Okay. Um, and then, 
What else? Am I, am I forgetting something? Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a robot is like plugged in. I think everywhere. that's it, but it's pretty like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it looks like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's interesting to, it's really nice to have access to all of this information. We have the power output from the, the area at the same time. So like we really have what's happening on the central, like the cardiac output, the output being the the power. We have the VO2 max. We have what's happening on the local, locally uh, on the muscle. So it's pretty cool. interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, sounds really cool. Personal favorite. <laughs> Personal favorite. <laughs> and um, coming coming back to this whole the, the INS and the way it's organized, we just had a some sort of seminar with uh, Scott Livingston and uh, Jamie Livingston, and uh, they uh, they went over how communication within a team, of especially in a high-performance world uh, environment, is uh, really important. Um, can you just quickly uh, kind of uh, summarize how how you guys all communicate between so the sports physiologists, um, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, physiotherapists, nutritionists, nutritionists, everything, the whole team. Like, how does this work? Yeah, well, um, there's a lot of communication between everybody. There's like the IST meetings where everybody's there. So all the mm. support team is there and we right. we meet and talk about the athletes. So that's maybe once a month. So that's not the main thing. That's just like the moment where everybody's there. Uh, and then I would say personally, there's I have a lot of exchanges between me, the uh, strength conditioning coach and the biomechanic, for example, mm-hmm. in swimming. Uh, the three of us work really a lot together and we, we probably talk uh, together like two or three times a week uh, about the athletes and the next steps and who's improving and what and why. Um, and there's also uh, for one of the way of communicating is, uh, for example, I have the weekly report I'm, I'm doing with the swimming team and everybody receives a report every week and then there's the data from everyone on that report and then mm-hmm. we can see how everything's in- evolving. And I would say uh, one of the problem in most teams is that we have so much data and yeah. we don't know, like, <laughs> we don't know what to do with all of this data and what, how to interpret all the data together. So, like the communication and having tools to put all this data together and communicate all this data is really important. Awesome. So, do you, are you a, a master at Excel? Because <laughs> you probably know how to. I'm how pretty to good at Excel, <laughs> and w- I, I would say the thing I learned that helped me the most is I, I learned how to uh, to program with R. Oh wow! So okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. Uh, I don't know what that is. What's going on right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what R. R. <laughs> what, what is that? Well, it's like a software, I guess. Oh. Okay. Um, well, it's just a, a language of programmation, Computer programming. Geek. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that Tyler doesn't it's know. so <laughs> helpful, though. It's worth it. Yeah. Okay. So if we uh, backtrack a bit, um, <laughs> we're just we just keep backtracking. <laughs> <laughs> we just backtrack all the way back back to when you were a kid. <laughs> so, how did you even get involved with INS? Like, I know you switched from sports promotion to become a sports physiologist, but how? Like, it's pretty like. INS, you get you said it was high performance. How does one even get to a spot like that? Yeah. Um, I guess I started coming to INS because I was teaching on the, the advanced coaching diploma. Mm. Uh, so I started coming there to give classes, and then people would start seeing me and knowing who I who I was. And then there was this opening for the exercise physiologist position two years ago. Um, and they were asking for a PhD, so I just said, "Well, never mind. I'll I'll put my I'll 
uh, I'll apply and send my my CV anyway, and mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, and then the the director at that time called me and was like, "Well, we won't take you because you don't have the PhD. PhD." And we received like twenty applications mm -hmm. with the PhD. So <laughs> yeah. like, sorry. Um, but then he said, "If you're interested in do in doing your PhD, we would be uh, open to take mm. you as a as an exercise physiologist, and then at the same time you would do your PhD." So that's yeah, mm. that's kind of how it uh, it happened. Is there something that they um is there a reason why they decide to pick you among all the other people who already had PhDs and to decide to offer you uh, a spot while doing your PhD instead? Well, they they chose someone with a PhD for oh, okay. that position. They just, yeah, okay. they've just created another one. Oh, that's very so that cool. They, they would have someone in a few years with a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for it. That's very cool. So I guess this all happened through word of mouth, I guess, because that's been a recurrent theme through all the podcast. Yeah. There wasn't really much. I don't think you advertise yourself out there like, oh, I'm uh, Miriam Paquet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this good is me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Your French is a good joke. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess it's a lot of word of mouth and s showing people what you could do, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. And I, I think I had really good mentors mm. that really helped me like getting known in the uh -huh. at INS and around and um yeah I had like Richard Chouinard who was one of the the teachers in mm -hmm. Laval University who really helped me with that and Guy Thibault, who was my co-supervisor for my master they were both in the high performance world and uh -huh. he really helped me helped me uh, getting that position That's I think cool. yeah awesome all right, so we touched upon you uh, going into the INS, doing your PhD. Um, as hard as it might be to explain, um, what is your uh, research project all about for your PhD? <laughs> there's complicated <laughs> you can, words. You can I'm get into the ask. details. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not that complicated. But, uh, let me know. There's first years, so we never know. <laughs> so when I arrived at INS, I had no PhD project like going on I just arrived and I had to do a PhD but I had no clue on what mm -hmm. um, and then I started working with the canoe kayak team and uh, started being interested in looking at muscle oxygenation because th these little units are getting more and more um, well cheaper and easier to use mm -hmm. uh, so we thought it might be interesting to add these to the normal m monitoring we were doing with these athletes and the hypothesis was that with these canoe kayak athletes who are mostly using their upper body uh, it's not more a, it's not much about how much you how high your vo2 max is or how high your cardiac output is it's probably more about how your muscles are good at extracting and using mm. the oxygen is coming uh, so the first project was about validating that hypothesis that muscle oxygenation was more strongly related to performance than VO2, VO2 max, max or oh. cardiac output. Uh, so we did that last year mm -hmm. and demonstrated that. Uh, and now the next projects are about improving that muscle oxygenation. Mm -hmm. So how can we get the athletes to extract and use more oxygen? Uh, so I'm now doing a project where, um, where we are characterizing different type of interval training. So, and we're okay. looking for a, a type of, of session that would elicit really uh, big spikes of deoxygenation in the muscle, mm. thinking that that would be uh, the... Correlation of performance? Yeah, the, and th that would be the stimulus to oh. improve yeah. uh, the deoxygenation. So that's 
what we're doing currently. And then the next and probably last project for the PhD uh, would be a training program with these kind of sessions that mm. we know elicit big deoxygenation spikes and hoping that they uh, translate into a better performance and a better uh, ability to use and extract oxygen. Mm. Did, did you get that first, uh, the first project published? Uh, how, how does it how does almost. a phd work you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for you have to to do three projects going in the same direction proving Ooh, something okay. yeah. um and so publish three studies or three three papers at least uh, so the first one is almost submitted <laughs> it's coming okay um and then the two others will obviously will come in the next month okay. Uh, but yeah, that so basically you have these three papers to do, and then uh, your thesis that goes around the papers. Okay. Uh, how long does it get? Uh, how how long does it take to submit? Uh, so that for that first one, how long has it been since you submitted it, and because you're, you're still waiting for it to be uh, accepted? Right? Yeah. Well, actually, it's not submitted yet. Oh, but okay. but for example, my master uh, project paper, I submitted three or four times before mm. it got accepted okay um and every time it takes like one to two months before you get the answer from the reviewers right. <laughs> so yeah it's a really long process mm. I, I published it i guess a year and a half after i was done with my master wow okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's very cool though especially with um like just like with your second project uh, a lot of athletes, I think nowadays, they especially in social media, they they see VO two max as like the standard of oh he, yeah. he has that mass on he's doing very well. But I, I think it's very cool the fact that your research looked at uh, that muscle um, deoxygenation, if I'm saying it right, uh, is more important than actually like uh, than VO two max. I think that's very cool because I don't think a lot of people know about that. So it's more about like you said how your muscles use oxygen. More, rather than how much oxygen you're intaking, if I'm getting it correct. Yeah, or how much oxygen you're uh, oh, ex- delivering to yeah. the muscle. Okay. Let's say. That's muscle, very cool. It's yeah. called muscle oxygenation? Yeah. Or D. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. That's very cool. But then it would be totally different in cross country skiing or running, where we know cardiac output is one yeah. of the most important factors. Yeah, factor. for sure. It's really sport dependent, but. Yeah. Is there a reason why you guys chose, like, uh, like, the HIT program to use as, like, your, uh, I guess training method to find that to try and find your hypothesis or like validate your hypothesis yeah we could have used like hypoxia or mm-hmm. um uh, blood flow restricted training for example that mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. probably uh, done the same thing or done similar things yeah. uh, i really wanted to go through around like really a training approach something mm. you can do without some extra ah, I see. Yeah. technology yeah. or like really going that's feasible into training yeah. yeah okay that's very cool because I think, like, we do, there's a lot of research on all of these, um, like, hypoxia and, and yeah. environmental. But, like, we we know so little on the basics. Like, yeah, just I agree. With the effect of training and different types of training and what's the best training to improve VO2 max, what's the best training to improve muscle oxygenation. So we, we just know so little on these basics. I feel <laughs> like true. we have to know this before we go to hypoxia and, or at the same time. But yeah. I agree. You okay, Tyler? Is that too too much info? <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, a little quiet over here. I'm just trying to. I'm absorbing it all in, but yeah, we're good. We're good. So for for the first years, you you'll probably um, it'll probably take uh, um, I guess maybe third uh, second year classes. Yeah, second year. Uh, when you get into exercise physiology and and all that to to grasp the concepts a bit better, but um, but don't worry. 
you're if you're not understanding much you're, you're not the okay. only one <laughs> <laughs> tyler's with you <laughs> and so um when you started your uh your bachelor's in in kin uh was that always your direction like did you like did you tell yourself like i'm gonna finish like with a phd in exercise physiology oh totally not okay <laughs> <laughs> i think every step of my studies i wanted to I thought I would end them like I finished high school <laughs> pay, saying, oh, I'll just go to CGEP and do a technique. And then okay. I said, OK, no, I'll do like another program and go to university. And then I started in university thinking, thinking I'll just do my undergrad and then got into a master. And I was like, but no PhD. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stops there. So, yeah, you never know. For athletes out there, is there anything other than muscle oxygenation that kind of affects your performance that for j just for athletes like regular athletes like they want to know how do i improve my performance like let's say because uh, it's the it's very depends on your sport like you said uh let's say for regular like uh uh sports teams like athletes like soccer basketball football like what are what are the variables or what yeah what are the variable variables that you guys you guys kind of look at other than muscle oxygenation and vo2 max per se i would say with these sports we like, yes, we'll measure some physiological variables, but we'll also look at, like, repeated sprint tests and, like, more performance, per se, than... Mm, more specific yeah. stuff, okay. So, like, we might be interested in looking at how they're producing the effort, but yeah. the most important thing is, is, are they producing the effort yeah. and how fast can they be and how fast can they be in repeated sprints, for example. Okay, so basically any test that kind of mimics their sport needs. Totally, okay. yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Just want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> In case I decide to become an athlete again one day. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any questions, Joe? Ask him now. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make the, the Team Canada? You want to go to the Olympics, Joe? You better start now. Listen, listen carefully. Here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Uh, you, uh, yeah, just before just before we, we wrap it up with uh, Joe's questions, um, you said you were an athlete in mm, yeah. uh, university, cross uh, so a cross-country uh, skier. Yeah. Um, do you want to... How, how was your career? What was your career like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I started kind of old. I started at like 15 or 16 years old. Oh, stop. Okay, um, and competed through like the end of my high school in Cégep. And then went to Université Laval to compete with the Rougéard because there was a cross-country skiing oh, okay. team. Uh, and made it to the World University Games on the, the last year I was there. And cool. that's about it. We're going to have to wrap it up. This is where Joseph comes in with his famous questions. Joseph, question number one. Question number one. Uh, before before that, it's not that famous. I guess it's three episodes. <laughs> I don't know how much people know, but... <laughs> You're pretty famous, Joe. This, uh, is, this is going to be famous. Uh, thank you, thank you. I'd like to thank my parents. And <laughs> <laughs> um, So basically, the first question is uh, if... Oh, I'm going to mess your name up again. Uh, the <laughs> advice for present Miriam, Miriam, yes, would give to younger Miriam. Is there anything that you give to her? Well, I would just tell her to keep following her passion. Like, I think too many people just mm. decide what they're going to do in life just for other aspects. And it should all be around passion and that's it. Mm. So yeah, I would just dramatic um, music comes in. Da -da -da. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Joseph's question number two. Uh, so I guess 
you mentioned a bit about your role models, uh, role models, yeah. role <laughs> models before. Yeah, yeah. Try to try to get Joey. Famous question number two. <laughs> your role models. You mentioned it before. I forgot uh, their name. Sorry. Um, what did they have that kind of resonated with you and kind of stuck with you and that made present Miriam uh, who she is today? <laughs> These are tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting down sorry. to the truth. <laughs> personal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Richard uh, Schwein. Yeah, that, yeah, I remember. Uh, I'm going to butcher her name. but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess they were like uh, two persons that inspired me. Like they were uh, both working in high performance sport, being successful, working like in the field they wanted and having some recognition and uh and they were also really like accessible easy to to talk to mm -hmm. uh like would give advices would like uh suggest my name with when there was like uh, some openings so references references yeah <laughs> I guess you probably clicked with them more too because I've, I I feel like with role models, your personali personality has to really click with them in order for you to be able to approach them more often, I guess. Yeah, totally. And I don't know, we came from the same sports. Mm, uh, they were cross-country. So, well, uh, so from something kind of sports, I should say, like so running, oh, cycling. Oh, okay. okay. Um, a cross-country skier does a lot of running. <laughs> I tried it once. It was the most exhausting experience of yeah, my life. Like, I, I Downhill skiing is definitely more my thing. <laughs> and for example, the summer I was working with Gitsibu, which is one of the two, and we were cycling every every uh, lunch break. So mm -hmm. like sharing a common pa passion, I, I think, is one of the main that's things. That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's fair. Okay, and so finally, Miriam, uh, before we go, uh, I just want we just want to know if there are any volunteer opportunities or internship uh, uh, offerings at the INS. Yeah, sure. There's always some uh, internships offerings for undergrad or master students at INS in every field. Okay. Um, so like biomechanics, physiology, uh, sporting conditioning. Uh, so are all of all of these. So some of the interns are just going around and looking at all the fields and some are really in like following one specialist so so if someone were to to intern with you they that, that would be possible even though they're an undergrad yes no. I, I don't know if you're looking for like how it works i have no clue <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. i just got in <laughs> uh, other than the podcast and people wanting to know where to where to find out about these internships how where where could people go to find out about so it's always advertised on the ins website and facebook page and so if they follow at ins they should be aware of these uh opportunities opportunities okay or they can contact directly one of the uh, one of the practitioners there but <laughs> okay cool i guess <laughs> <laughs> So well, just try it, and then if it doesn't work, well, then <laughs> we, try. we try. We try. <laughs> <laughs> Trying is all that matters. Try, yeah, you just gotta try, guys. All right. So before we wrap it up, one last time, um, Miriam, is there uh, is there anything that you wanna kind of plug in for the viewers if they wanna reach out to you or find out more about you? Is there a place they could, I guess, look for? Sure, they can look for my Facebook page. I think it's uh, Miriam Paquette, Physiologist et Exercice. Yep. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have go. to say that. <laughs> <laughs> say it, try, try saying it, Joe. Oh, uh, Mir yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> 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 okay.
For those who also want to know more about the INS, the Institut National de Sports de Quebec, uh, you could also check out their website. So that's the insquebec.org. Uh, All right, so this is it. Maryam, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. I hope it wasn't... Uh, we weren't too much uh, of a bother <laughs> <laughs> and uh, guys if you haven't already make sure you check us out on Facebook Instagram and SoundCloud it's the Watts podcast with the double T thanks for tuning in make sure you plug back into the next episode until then stay beautiful stay beautiful guys oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got it <laughs> oh my goodness yeah